ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We love audiobooks and we suspect that you do too. Because you're a Soulful MBA listener, you can get an audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast, episode 110, The Digital Artisan Manifesto. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hi, Sandy. This one has been a long time coming, Jenny. Super excited about it. It sure has. It took us a while to get it quite right. How long? You think like over a year, right? Yeah. I mean, probably close to a year. Yeah. That's how it took us that long to get our podcast off the ground too. And it was worth all of the emotional struggle. This is actually a really short little quippy manifesto that we've put together. We're going to talk about it here on the episode today, but it's something that's close to, I think, both of our hearts. It really is the product of five years each of collective and singular blood, sweat, heartache, success, triumph, jubilation in in this entrepreneurship space. And we want to share some of the practices that we've learned to cultivate in order to find success in this space while still maintaining our values and making sure that we're building something meaningful. With our work. I think it was a result as I sort of reflect back on the last couple of years, Jenny, and sort of looking back to see how this was actually created and, and came to be. I think there was so many conversations between you and I about, you know, working online and watching what other people are doing, other businesses, the way they speak, the way that what their ask is or all this stuff. And we'd be like, ah, God, I wish it wasn't like that. Or wow, I love the way someone's doing that. And there was this sort of observation over many years and it kind of cultivated now into this manifesto of like how we think everyone should operate on the internet, right? Yeah. Well, how we are choosing to operate on the internet and our recommendations really for practices, ways of working and ways of being online that can help you to find success for sure, financial and other kinds of success, but also still cultivate deep meaning in your work. And it's really inspired by the offline artisan revival. Both of us are really drawn to the maker and creative space. Like you've heard us talk on this show about our hobbies, right? Like Sandy loves drawing and fine art and I love making stuff and I have a maker business that I also am growing with my family. And so I think this is a natural 
place for us to draw inspiration from is is like the world of artists and artisans. And also this sort of fascination with the slow food movement for me, like the farm to table idea. And mm-hmm. we want to bring all those principles into the digital realm. So I, I think it's really good. I'm really proud of this, Jenny. I think it was your, your yeah, vision that led it. I kind of want to just read okay. it. We didn't talk about doing that, but I kind of feel like we should just read it because like you all can go read it. It's, it's up. It'll be linked to in the show notes for this episode. But I think, you know, we really kind of put our hearts into this and I don't know what else, <laughs> I don't know what else we should do other than read it to them. Do you want to just like go back and forth? Yeah, I don't know. Is that weird? I'm interested in reading it, Jenny, but I just, why don't we just try it? Why don't we just, why don't you read a paragraph and then I read a paragraph. Okay, okay so it's like spoken word poetry. <laughs> We're witnessing a revival in everything from small batch coffee roasting to artisanal cheese making. From bakers incorporating local heirloom grains to potters hand building plates with regional clay, we've returned to an appreciation of slow food and slow fashion. Some of the most popular sites on the internet are teaching us how to ferment our own kimchi or brew our own beer or build our own tiny homes. There's an emphasis on sustainability, self-sufficiency, integrity, and beauty. Intentionality and mindfulness are at the heart of the maker movement. Ethics are built into the business model. Processes and supply chains are transparent. These small maker businesses all over the world are cultivating deep loyalty and sustained interest from niche customer bases. They've been the backbone of sites like Etsy and Instagram. Something about these types of businesses has caught the culture by storm. We love the maker movement. Artisans have captured our hearts and appealed to the most curious, soulful, and earnest parts of ourselves. But there's no reason that we, as online makers, cannot incorporate the same elements into our own businesses. The internet is the greatest opportunity we've ever known, but when used mindlessly or maliciously, it can be the most dangerous creation in human history. Digital artisanship, the idea of taking the standards and principles of the offline artisan revival onto the internet, recalibrates us to both leverage our strengths and to recognize what truly matters. Digital artisanship is the marriage of financial sustainability, the ability to grow an idea at scale, and soul-deep satisfaction. We want to live in a world where people see entrepreneurship as a sacred duty. Business schools and internet marketers aren't teaching people how to be conscious entrepreneurs, but we can teach each other. We can share lessons learned instead of guarding secrets. We can remember that being the cheapest or the loudest or the fastest will almost never spark sustainable success. We can't beat multinational corporations or unicorn startups at their own games, and we shouldn't want to. Those of us working in the digital space need to see ourselves as stewards, guides, and leaders. As pioneers of the new economy, we have a higher duty to imbue our work with intentionality. After five years of immersion into this type of entrepreneurship, we've learned a few things. Here's the advice we'd like to share with our fellow founders, distilled into 23 suggestions for building an intentional business online. These are the practices of digital artisanship. All right, let's dive into the practices, Jenny. Let's do it. You want to start with number one? Number one, identify your core values early. Yes. So these will be your touchstone and they're going to help you navigate every difficult decision. We talk about core values ad nauseum on this podcast and we can't underemphasize the importance of setting those in place in order to find success. That's your first step, no matter where you are, what you're doing. I think I was really slow to this. But I'm, I know you are. You are totally I'm fully slow there to now. 
Okay. The second one is ask why daily. Love this one. Question everything. So don't assume that what's been right for others is going to be right for you. Yeah. Following blindly just doesn't make sense in any industry. So I think that doing this practice is what has sort of led us to write this manifesto together. Yep. Number three is build it well, quality matters. Yes. So strive to be an artisan with your work, whether you're making soap or outlining an online course. This one's really interesting to me, Jenny, because I feel like if you are carving something or making cheese or fermenting your food, there's something in front of you that you can touch and see and smell. And when you do something digitally, it is almost in some ways invisible because you can just, it just goes away when you look at a different screen. And so I Mm -hmm. think we want to say, even though it is digital, even though it is a course, you know, with just lines of code on a screen somewhere, it's still really important to make it fabulous. Yeah. And I will say just from someone who's played around with writing code, you can make code beautiful. Like you can have really horrible, messy, confusing code that still kind of works, but you can also write code beautifully. And every single thing you make, I mean, most of you aren't writing code, but every single thing you make, you can choose to really put your best work into it, right? And you know this about me, Sandy. I am at war with perfectionism, I would say. (laughs) Like, I don't know how to put it any better than that. And you see this in my editing and how long it takes me to approve anything or to put anything out or to publish anything, which is why it takes things like, it takes like a year to write something like this, which is so short and so simple because it had to be honed in over so much time. And I'm not saying to like come all the way over to the perfectionism spectrum, but But there is this sense of everything being disposable on the internet. And I don't think that's actually true. I mean, it's loud and noisy and it's filled with trash, but it doesn't mean that what you put out needs to add to that, right? Like you should make sure that what you're putting out has quality to it. Right. Number four is curiosity is essential. It's one of our core values. Yeah, we have an entire podcast about curiosity, right? Mm -hmm. So if if you're paying attention to these practices, you're going to see them reflected in lots of podcast episodes that we have, that we've already recorded or that we have coming. But curiosity, I think for anyone who's building something new in the world, and we've talked about the relationship between curiosity and failure before on the show, failure is going to happen and your ability to approach failure or what feels like failure with a curious mind is going to keep you from sort of falling into the pits of despair that inevitably will happen. Yeah, I think curiosity, I like to think of it as sort of like a default position. So no matter what you Mm -hmm. come up against, whether it's something you're not sure how to do, or it's, you know, maybe perhaps a piece of criticism from a client or a colleague or something to kind of approach it with curiosity, like, why did they say that? What did they not understand? What can I do better next time? Or like, how do I do this? Like, how am I supposed to create this logo or whatever it is. Like, it's like, hmm, interesting. How can I figure this out? Mm -hmm. And that taking that approach as opposed to, oh my God, I can't do this will Mm -hmm. get you a lot farther. It sure will. Yeah. And I, you know, I learned this habit from scientists that I've worked with on climate change and all of the work I've done and continue to some degree to do in the world related to that has, you have to approach 
the apocalypse with curiosity because otherwise the work would be unbearable. And I, I think there's some relationships to that work and working on the internet, right? Like it's, it, it can be. And so you have to sort of disassociate your own personal feelings about something not working. And also just being curious is like, it doesn't only have to be in relationship to failure, right? Like being curious is also what leads you to explore new ideas or to seek inspiration. So curiosity is is a big one, number four. And number five is audit your supply chain. This is a newer one for my brain, but we're talking about looking at what your values are, what's important to you, and prioritizing that over what's cheap or fast or convenient. Mm -hmm. And so for those of you who are mindful about the food that you buy and the beauty products that you buy and the clothes that you buy and what factories or farms they were made or grown on, um, this this supply chain issue is going to be relevant to you, right? Like you think about this in some areas of your life. And we really want to emphasize that the supply chain doesn't end just because you're on the internet. So everything you see on your screen or everything you're listening to right now on your mobile device, like all the pieces of of the digital content also are rooted in other things. Like there's a history embedded into everything. And so the software companies that you work with, for example, are part of your supply chain. The contractors you work with, just every single thing you touch, there's a history to it, whether it's physical and tangible or not. And so we just want you to start to think about who am I doing business with? What are their practices? What are their standards? And how can I clean that chain up to the best of my own ability? And number six is to embrace niching. In the States, don't they say niching? We say oh, niching. Some people say niching. I think it's some terrible, people say the terrible. other okay. thing. That's so. That's a <laughs> weird a way sound. of saying it. Okay. Yeah. Why <laughs> is niching down important? Well, we've talked about this, right? Really honing in on your quintessential client and making sure that you're not trying to talk to everyone on the internet. I mean, I think this is a very common message that a lot of business mentors and coaches and consultants will will tell you. And I do think out of, you know, there are a lot of practices we're sharing today in the manifesto, but this idea of embracing niching is probably one of the ones that will impact your bottom line the most. So niching really is the pathway to financial success, really understanding and honing in on a specific group of people and finding out how to serve them well is what it takes to make money. In any kind of business. We went pretty deep in this on this topic on a podcast a couple episodes ago. It's called The State of the Wellness Industry, where we talk about how we veered away from our lovely wellness niche and how we have come back to it. Oh, yeah. There's a whole personal story there. (laughs) Number seven is value relationships over transactions. Yeah, this is pretty obvious, right? I think everyone agrees with this in principle, but just make sure that you're treating the people around you, the human beings that you work with and do business with, with utmost respect. So a relationship is more important than any single transaction. So whether that means giving somebody a refund or whether that means putting up with them being a little bit upset with you in an email or in a Facebook comment or whatever, the overall relationship is more important. Number eight is demand fair prices from your customers. Ooh, ooh, I love it. I love this one. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we talk about this enough. So, you know, you and I, Sandy, we talk about this in terms of this is important in order to avoid a negative energetic exchange. And 
demanding fair prices and charging fair prices is the greatest protection you have from resentment. And resentment is toxic, both in our personal lives and in our businesses. And, you know, part of what we're trying to do with this manifesto is really to get you to think about charging what you're worth. We have entire podcast episodes about this one as well. And I would say, you and I, Sandy, I I would say probably 80% of our clients consistently undervalue their products yeah. and their services. And I think, I think it's a two-sided coin. So we're asking you to charge fair prices, but also pay fair prices, which is one of the earlier principles. So, you know, that money will come back. So I just think all the way around, we all need to be charging fairly and paying fairly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, otherwise it gets messed up. I mean, we've done a lot of stuff on barters and trades and it just never creates a ton of confusion. Mm -hmm. It never really works. Like if it works, it's a miracle. And so I think figuring out and calculating for yourself what you need to make and building products and services and service packages that will allow you to earn a living or to meet your financial goals, like that's the way you honor yourself through your work. And And I think it's just a story, Jenny. It's important when you say honored, you're exactly right. And it's like other people need to honor that too, including friends and family. And I do struggle with those close to you that want a deal. And that's probably a whole other like podcast episode onto itself. But I think that those who really do honor your work, the time you've put your blood, sweat and tears into it, they should pay full price. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I think that's right. Uh, You know, I made the mistake. I because of my like craft fair circuit, I get approached. We talked about this earlier this week. I get approached for trades all the time. And you know, sometimes it's great. And sometimes it feels fair, but often it doesn't. And often I end up with stuff that I don't really want. And that I don't feel is a fair exchange for what that person traded for, but it's on me, right? Because I let it happen because I want to be nice and liked, but I just like, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't really work. It's a bad, it's a bad practice. So don't do it digitally. Don't do it in real life. Like it's not a good deal. Okay. And then pay fair wages to your team is number nine. Yeah. I mean, I think this one sort of (laughs) says, says it, you know, it's pretty clear, but honor the community that we're all a part of by respecting someone's training and expertise. And yeah, like really allowing them to earn a fair amount of money and not comparing them to either a robot or someone, you know, in a place with a lower cost of living. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think on the internet, that's what people do is like, they're looking for cheap all the time, you know, whether that's overseas or through different websites and these, you know, Fiverr and all those kind of things. Like you can find some really cheap work out there. And we're just saying, again, I think it's honoring that other person in their expertise, in their knowledge and pay them fairly. And I think it it just, it's Mm -hmm. a big circle. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you get what you pay for. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy-to-use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. Okay, number 10, Sandy. What's number 10? Embrace the long game, slow down, and build in buffers. Yeah, it always takes longer than you think. And an idea when followed through with consistent action can create tremendous financial liberation. We are 
the poster children for the long game. We are always harping on the long game. And I mean, to be f- very honest, that is what for, for the community that we're in, the, everyone I know who has any sort of sustainable success in this online business space has committed for the long game. So just be very wary of get rich quick or fast money in any way. It's not the answer. Wait, are you saying that they didn't make 100K in a month? Well, I think that is entirely possible, but what values did one have to (laughs) put on hold or set aside or turn a blind eye to in order to generate that kind of income? And that's a very unusual situation. So certainly we we do know know and know of people who've made fast money on the internet. It is the exception, not the rule. And I would say nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10, the reason that happened was because some kind of values got put on hold. I also see this attitude when people are looking to join Namastream and they don't want to pay until, you know, everything's in place and they've got paying customers. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say, just start. Like it's, this is going to be many years of your life and it's going to be fabulous. And to worry about one month or two months, just start, Mm -hmm. just start, just pay the money, just get going, just start it and look at the long term. And these one or two months, it's not really going to be a big deal to you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you have to budget your your planning, your vision for the long term, and you also have to budget like your expectations and your money, all of it, all of it. <laughs> so number 11 is be mindful of interconnectivity, the larger ecosystem and ripple effects. Yeah, this is pretty simple. What we do affects and impacts others, and it also impacts our future selves. So there is no standalone experience, right? Every Everything that you're doing in your business is going to have an impact later on. So just again, this is reiterating the importance of thinking long-term and thinking holistically about what you're doing. All right. Number 12 is embrace a culture of generosity. Yes. So, like so we one. want you to infuse your business practices with service and philanthropy. However, we want to make sure that you don't do this to a point that it drains you or breeds resentment. And you know when you're overextended and you also know when you have more to give. So you're an adult. And I think the real phrase here to to latch on to is responsible generosity. So we want you to be generous in your work and in your life, but not to the degree that it you know takes away from you so that you can't continue to produce. I think resentment is like the flag, you know, like if you start feeling that, then you got to like look at what's happening, question some of your actions and just get some control yep. back. Number 13 is trust our or your intuition. Mm-hmm. So please, please eliminate the tasks that some advisor or random Instagram post or some podcast told you that you should be doing. So this goes for us as well, right? <laughs> so if anything we're saying here doesn't ring true for you, then throw it out. I mean, this is sort of fundamentally underlying everything we're saying. Your intuition, your gut, it is a wise, wise thing. And we want to make sure that you're listening to it. Number 14, I love this one. Do what's right instead of what's easy. Mm -hmm. I love it, but it's hard. It's hard. Yes. And this comes from our belief in the principles of servant leadership. We want you to treat leadership like a sacred duty. And if you're listening to this, you're a leader. We want you to see yourself as a leader. You don't have to be a CEO or the prime minister of Canada or whatever to be a leader, right? Like we are all leaders in some part of our lives. And so just really respect that. And I love the idea that leadership is a sacred duty. 
Okay, number 15 is look beyond profit and growth. What else is there to look at? Money is a metric of success, but not the only one. (laughs) So true. I'm just, you know, tongue in cheek. But I think for us this week, or for me this week, Jenny, we are just getting tagged on Instagram from our amazing, amazing teachers that are doing just mind-boggling, beautiful work out there. And I'm, and we're at a point where we don't know who's on our platform anymore all the time. And so then they tag us like, oh my God, who is this? And so that to me is beyond profit and growth. It is the work of our teachers and the people that they're helping, all their students who are able to access their amazing services online. That is one thing that I am looking at to look at how successful we are because it's just so heartwarming to see this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I do acknowledge that business has a lot to do with making money, but there's so much else to it. So if you're an entrepreneur, your business is is either your entire career or a big part of your career and your life. And so the other things to be thinking about are, is this challenging me? Am I learning something new every day? And am I getting to practice my values with the way I run my company? Like start to think about how else you can find meaning from what you're what you're doing in your business. One of the other things we've really learned this year is number 16, and that is tell your story. And the power of story, whether you are simply writing an Instagram caption, or you're writing a blog post, or you're writing ad copy, your story is so powerful. And so that is one of our principles is to tell your own story. And by default, you telling your story is shining a light and a pathway for others to share theirs, which is one of the kindest things you can do is to empower other people to share their stories. And so be an example of that in your work. Number 17 is amplify the work of others. Yeah. So in addition to telling your story and providing a pathway for others to share theirs, you can also use your own platform and your own voice to showcase the work and the voices of those that you respect and admire. And this can be anyone from, you know, a celebrity in your niche or in your area, someone, a historical figure, or just a regular person, a client who out there is inspiring you and is on your mind. And how can you use your voice and your platform as a way to raise them up or their ideas up in the world? This is classic abundance mindset. So if you tell everyone that your friend's book is now for sale, the money that people spend on your friend's book is not taking it from you. So I think that if we all just did this and sort of, you know, rose together and started sharing and talking about what all our friends are doing or all, not even our friends, it's just anyone that you watch and admire from even from afar. Let's just talk about the incredible work that's happening and just amplify each other. I think that's a really powerful principle. Mm-hmm. Number 18 is to connect with real human beings. What? So networking, getting away from your desk and your screen and actually going to either, you know, organized business networking events, conferences, meetups, taking someone for coffee, sitting down face to face, shaking their hand, sharing a cup of coffee or tea, and being able to talk in real time has huge, huge value to connect with a real human being like that builds so much trust. And I still think that person to person networking in person networking, I should say, is not done enough in the digital world. Okay, so number 19 is to value your offline life. Oh, goodness. We want you to make sure you're carving out analog space. This means no screen time and 
especially if you're running a business on the internet, you're going to be constantly drawn to your screens from all the pings and notifications. And you really need to take some space from it in order to have perspective. It'll make your business better and also help you to stay in for that long game. I don't think there's any great ideas that have ever happened in front of a screen either. That's my thing. Like all your good ideas are going to come out when you're walking your dog. In the shower, going hiking. Yeah, this is never like sitting here in front of the screen. Okay, number 20 is to speak up. Yep. So your voice matters. You won't get there by playing small. And we want you to know that bravery is inextricably linked to your success. Yeah. So I think sometimes this is hard and sometimes we think, oh, it's already been said before. Someone's already done that or it's obvious. And I'm just want to say to everyone that it's not. And we need your voice. We need your opinion. No one has lived your life. No one has your experiences. Your opinion matters. So please, please, as an entrepreneur, as a leader, speak up. Yeah. And you might be saying something that's unpopular and So there's one side of it, like Sandy said, where you feel like, oh, why am I going to say that? It's already been said a thousand times. And the other side of it is I have this idea, but no one's ever said it. And therefore, there's probably a reason or therefore people won't like me or whatever story you have going on in your mind about it. And the truth is, if you feel called to say something or share something, we really want you to share it. Absolutely. So number 21 is nobody does it alone goodness, that's the truth, isn't it? (laughs) So we want you to find the people who you can celebrate with. And we also want you to find people who can pull you out of those inevitable dips and struggles that you're likely to encounter in your business. We all have them. It's part of the process. And we want you to find the people who can celebrate the joys and help you to withstand the failures. Right. So that might mean you have a Facebook group that's really active and supportive. It might mean you go to a networking group. Maybe you create your own group, a mastermind. Maybe you do a paid mastermind. Maybe you have a bunch of girlfriends that are you know, in a similar situation and can support you. So it can look like all different things, but I don't think it really matters. It's just that you've got to find people who will just support you. And sometimes family can't do it because they are not in the entrepreneurial world and they just don't get it. So I think that the people that you're looking for do need to be doing what you're doing or similar work. Mm -hmm. Number 22 is you can figure it out. Oh, yes, you can. Trust us. This this is so Jenny. This is, is, well, this is both of us. I think, you know, it's sometimes we get these comments. I'd say it's pretty often in our inbox, Sandy, they're like, wow, you're so smart. Thank you so much. And we're always genius. We got called geniuses yeah, yesterday. I like, like that. You know, the truth is, is that we just try a bunch of stuff until we find something that works or fixes the issue or uncovers the bug or whatever it is. And, you know, we don't have any special powers to do that. You don't know Jenny, it all. Zip oh, it. Oh, zip oh, it. Never mind. Zip it. We do have special powers. Sandy might have some special powers, but I don't (laughs) have special powers. So you don't know it all. We don't know it all. You'll never know it all. And we really want you to be willing to roll up your sleeves and get dirty and, and just get into the process. And this goes back to that practice of creativity and curiosity, right? So sometimes you need to approach a problem with just that curious mind, and that's all it takes to help you figure it out. But then you also kind of need to have this gut level sense that you know you can figure it out in the end. And the last one, number 23, is know that success is possible for you. Sure is. So it might take longer or look differently than you expect, but that's okay. And we want you to know that it's worth it. Yeah, I think think that's exactly it. It may not be exactly what you pictured and you may go through some different ways of being, ways of doing, a lot of the iterations, but it is totally possible for each and every one of you. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we really want you to know that. So yeah, that's it. That's that's digital artisanship for us. That's what we've learned. These are the practices. So they're distilled into these 23 lessons that we've shared with you today in the podcast. We, of course, will share the links to this post in the show notes. We have a blog post about this. We're turning this into a little downloadable poster for you all that's going to be available coming soon as well. But you know, these are our lessons. So take what works for you and leave the rest behind. But this is after five years each of sort of honing in on some pretty intense lessons learned in this space. So we would really love to have your help to spread this message in this way of operating and building businesses. So we really think that collectively, all of us together, we do have a really special opportunity to impact how this economy is evolving and shifting and changing. So I would like to ask all of you, if you really like what we're saying, if this resonates with you, let's start talking in these terms and share these ideas with whoever might be interested using the hashtag digital artisan. All of our stuff will be tagged with digital artisan. And if you feel like you're building a business in the, in this way with these ideas and these practices, please tag us on Instagram or Facebook. We'd love to watch what you're doing and comment and enjoy. And I just, I want to, you know, build this new world together. Yeah. I want to, I want to live in a world where our economy is represented by these practices, right? The people who are producing content and products and billing services. We want a world where this is how we interact with each other through our work. And, you know, if there's something we left off, also if there's if there's a practice that you have in, in your life and in your business that you think should be added to this list, let us know. Maybe we can have this as a living, breathing document going forward. And so just, yeah, tag us at Digital Artisan on social, let us know. Send us an email to team at namastream.com if you have a personal story or, or letter you want to share with us and we can go from there. Yeah, it's all so exciting. I love it. So let's move into Joy and Hustle. Jenny, you, I believe, have the joy. I do have a joy. Although I think the digital artisan manifesto is kind of a joy, but I know that we're <laughs> going to make that the hustle. So the joy that I wanted to share today is a poem and I'm not going to read a poem to you all, don't worry, or <laughs> or anything like that. But I can send you a link to a video of poet David White reading a poem called Santiago. And I come back to this poem over and over again. It's one of my touchstone poems, Like Wild Geese, is by Mary Oliver. And if you haven't heard David White read poetry, he's kind of in this, he's, he's a living poet, and he's in this interesting intersection of spirituality and like ecology and poetry and literature. And I, I love his work. And this poem, especially if you're in a hard place at all or a complicated place in your life or business right now, it's worth taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to him read this poem. So I will, of course, share the link to this video of poet David White reading Santiago. And The Hustle, of course, is the digital artisan, the manifesto. So you can head over to thedigitalartisan.co and we've got it posted there. And like Jenny said, if you have any comments or thoughts around this, we would love to hear from you. And you can just tag us on social and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course 
to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free. Thank you.